Hey, with CP Podcast listeners, it is December 5th, Monday. It is 5.43 p.m., and this is your host, Julia. Um, I'm calling in from, where are we right now? Oh, Selma, Alabama. We're just coming out of, just coming out of Selma, going east towards Montgomery, Alabama. Yep, we're on the bus right now, um, and we are currently on the CP 2022 Foundations Learning Tour. David, would you came, care to explain to our listeners what a Foundations Learning Tour is? Sure. Common Power as an organization uh, intentionally sees ourselves as trying to carry forward the legacy of folks who have fought for voting rights in America. Uh, many of those really important moments over time have occurred in the southeastern part of the country, the southeast. This particular trip goes to some of those locations where history has been made and also where history is still being made. We started in Atlanta and tomorrow we will end in Atlanta on the, uh, the day of the election, Senate run it, runoff election. Um, we'll be there then. And in between, we've been in Alabama for five days, going to Montgomery, to Birmingham, to Selma, uh, and learning from people there. And also as a group of people at Common Power, um, on the trip talking amongst ourselves about the important work we do how we can do it how we can take inspiration from this what kinds of new things we might want to might want to push for in 2023 and um to our listeners just now forgot to introduce him but that's david domke um he's one of several people leading this trip um so yeah david there was a, a really we've we've done this learning tour quite a few times but uh, there was a really unique aspect about this learning tour in particular that happened on day two and three where we met up with the fieldwork folks that were working in Atlanta, Georgia. Would you uh, care to explain that kind of new feature on this learning tour? Well, one of the things that we know we, we uh, want to do more of at Common Power is to fuse together, to F-U-S-E, fuse together our fieldwork and our education and our leadership development. And those things already are coming, are together, but we can make it more um, concrete, more direct. And so for this particular trip, uh, we started in Atlanta, as I said, and uh, we spent some time with the fieldwork team that was out there sharing with them some of the things that we were going to talk to the people who are participating in this foundation's trip. So we brought out the fieldwork team plus the foundation's trip together. And we will do that again tomorrow. And when we arrive back there tomorrow, we the participation participants on this foundation's trip will go out and knock on some doors for uh, Raphael Warnock for his campaign. Uh, uh, maybe for him, but more likely just in support of him. Um, so that connectivity of fieldwork and education is what we want, is what we're striving towards. And leadership development is just in, implicit in all of this. Um, you on, you all, those of you on the podcast weren't there, but about an hour ago, Julia uh, made some really great remarks about her own work and her importance in this work and her learning on this trip. And that kind of leadership development is just, it's uh, priceless out here. So the, the ability to bring together the fieldwork and the learning tour is what you're specifically referring to, Julia, but I would even say the explicit intertwining of all three of those things, leadership development, education, and fieldwork, is where we are on this trip and we are, where we will do much, much more of that explicitly starting in 2023. 
Thank you, David. Yeah, I love this intersection of leadership development, field work, and education. Because I think a lot of people um, that do work like we do, voting rights, often think of these categories as distinct. Even financially, sometimes they're distinct entities, but I really think you need all three, right? I mean, common power, we believe in education to action, but in a lot of ways, I feel like it's almost like a triangle. You could go edge action to education <laughs> yeah. or leadership to action. I mean, I think it all it's all connected. I totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I would I would say that there it is more like a triangle um, and there might be like predominant ways that you, you travel around that triangle but you can as you're traveling around that triangle one way you see some people going the other way and you're like waving to them you know it's like they're on separate escalators one going up one going down all of them on the same system though of connectivity and that's what makes common power common power is our commitment to all three of those there's lots of organizations that do one of those and they do them really really well but we're committed to all three of them so on this trip, we also um, met with a attorney from the Equal Justice in wait in Equal wait. You got it. You're on. Okay, Equal Justice Institute. It's initiative. Oh, sorry, that's a word that I messed <laughs> up. So we met with a brilliant attorney from the Equal Justice Initiative (EJI) down here in Montgomery, and they focus a lot on working on death row cases. Uh, working on cases for individuals who are facing the death penalty um, and they also work I was just pointing to Julia you can't see it on the I was pointing to Julia everybody who's listening that she should ask Ani about that after, okay because Ani you know that's her her desires to go right, into that right, work yeah right. <clears throat> yeah so we met up with um, a brilliant attorney from the Equal Justice Initiative and they focus a lot on working on cases for individuals facing the death penalty, but they've also recently expanded into memorialization and education because down here they built the Legacy Museum and they've also built the National Memorial for Peace and Justice as well, um, more colloquially known as the lynching memorial, right? Yep. So how do you think Common Power as an organization draws inspiration from EJI. EJI was founded in 1989 by a lawyer named Brian Stevenson. Harvard educated, incredibly successful, smart, ambitious, and he decided he wanted to do work in Alabama. Um, he was representing somebody down here and he set up shop in Montgomery, Alabama on Commerce Street, which is formerly where the enslaved uh, workers were brought off of ships. Um, and walked down towards this slave auction market. Um, and he bought a slave, a formerly enslaved uh, work, a warehouse and turned it into the offices of Equal Justice Initiative. Over time, they have come to, to become much, much more than lawyers. They've come to be advocates. They've come to be educators. They've come to be mentors. Uh, they are partners with so many organizations. They are leaders, leaders. And we look at them as a model for what we can become. They're 33 years into their work, and they are transforming the city of Montgomery. We, we want to be people who help to transform communities and support them uh, in partnership with, or, with entities in state after state. So the grand ambitions, though, of EJI is what captivates us. And we, we are starting to 
to imagine a better world, a better democracy. Um, okay, thank you so much, David. So now we are going to turn to Jordan Schultz and Sorry, correction. Now we're going to talk to Jordan Schulte about her thoughts on this trip. Um, Jordan, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but um, you're also one of the key planners and organizers behind this trip as well, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on how the trip's gone. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so my name is Jordan Schulte. Um, I'm an intern at the Institute, so we are the educational branch of Common Power, and um, I'm just so lucky and grateful to be working with such an amazing team, including Julia and David and um, Dr. Scott and Devin Geary as well. Um, so yeah, we, Devin and I helped to orchestrate a few of the um, supportive kind of, um, you know, food aspects of the trip as well as a few of the venues that we've attended um, and like holding rooms and spaces to watch um, some of our, our videos and um, documentaries that we've showed across the trip, but I think it's been going super well. Um, we've had the opportunity to speak with so many amazing people and heroes, honestly, and civil rights icons on this trip, and just gotten to really engage and grow as a community, and I'm just so grateful to be with everyone on this trip and have had the experience to spend time with everyone. It's been really amazing, and, and as well as spend time just learn from the many places that we've been able to visit and the people that we've been able to speak with has been very life-changing, for sure. Yeah, and we're super happy to work with you as well, Jordan, and we're super happy to have you on this trip. Um, so what has it been like, like, going from behind-the-scenes work of, you know, calling places, doing reservations, to watching it finally play out on the trip? How do you think it's going? Yeah, definitely. We, we had a little bit of experience with the Educators Learning Tour, which was in end of October. So we, we try to maintain some of the relationships that we already have with with the locations um, around the state of Alabama and Atlanta. So they, we'd have places that would remember us, which was super nice. And so then just kind of revisiting those places, um, being able to contribute to the community has been amazing. And it's been it's been e pretty easy going, I'd say, just making sure that we're staying staying on track and just keeping up with all the plans that we had it hasn't been too rough thankfully and so from what I understand as you mentioned earlier you went on the same trip um, back in early October and what is it like coming back to Alabama Selma doing this trip a second time is it any different is it the same is are you learning anything new on this trip yeah definitely I think the the first educators trip was my first time being in the south so um, in this type of educational space, so I definitely was just, you know, very, um, I felt a lot of emotions during that trip, for sure, as, as I do on this one as well, and I think this time around I'm able to notice new things, um, see things even from a different perspective, a little deeper, um, and also just taking in a lot more, I think, than I was able to on the first, first trip where I was just kind of not necessarily shocked but just had so much um, content and it was a, a little bit overwhelming and so I think which I mean it is for I, I would say everyone on, on these types of educational tours so I think this trip I'm able to um, I was able to ground myself more and just gain more and um, it's always an amazing experience to be here because I feel like uh, I, I'm able to just transform my, the way that I think and just think more about my ancestors and the people who looked like me and spent so much time you know, shaping this world and making it better so that I could be in the position to be on this trip and be with everyone on this trip and all the amazing people that we're surrounded by. So it's definitely, it gets better every time, I'd say. It gets even more transformative every every trip that I take down here. Yeah, and 
it's it's interesting so jordan as you know as a woman of color you said this last trip was your first time down to the south right ever so what is it like like being a woman of color down here in the south and if you'd like to identify yourself um any further um i mean this history is hard it's heavy um how are you like taking care of yourself and also managing kind of the environment that you're physically in right now Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely hard. So I'm um, an African-American young girl, 22, young woman, excuse me. But yeah, it's definitely um, challenging. Even on my first trip here, I was very, I was honestly really worried because I didn't know what to expect. And I knew I'd always wanted to visit these places. So it wasn't from a place of, um, or a lack of interest. I would say it was more just um, concern and about what I was going to be surrounding myself with and like the the places that I was going to be. But that, that trepidation kind of dissipated almost immediately when I arrived just because I was able to realize how many things I still needed to learn and and how much more respect to have for the people of the civil rights movement and, and much earlier um, from the enslaved peoples that we, we've been learning about and just how much I have to do in my life to honor honor those people who, who lost their lives and also put their lives on the line for all of us to live in the world we live in now um, but yeah I think just being on the trip has provided me with a lot of um, respect and a lot of responsibility to continue to um, just be honorable and do everything that I can to give my life to um, just living in a way where I feel like I'm doing my part and continuing to make change and the betterment of our country, I think, for sure. Yeah. So in terms of doing your part, Jordan, um, if you'd like to, could you share with some of the podcast listener, like some of your ambitions in terms of your career? And um, specifically, we, we did visit, we're going to visit again a site tomorrow. It's called the Mothers of Gynecology um, that you spoke about a little bit. It's on, you did a paper on this, on this amazing site. Um, if you could explain to our listeners, like what what it is I'm talking about the mothers of gynecology sculpture and how is that relevant to you and your work and carrying the movement forward Mm -hmm. yeah so we visited the mothers of gynecology site as Julia mentioned um, which honors the many women and children that um, Dr. Marion Sims performed experiments on in the early middle 1840s um, and he came to gynecological um, discoveries, including um, creating the speculum and other um, uh, gynecological surgeries, including vaginal fistulas, things of that nature. But anyways, he performed these experiments on enslaved African women, um, and he did so with no anesthesia um, and documented their agony and pain, which is just so horrendous. And so um, the Mothers of Gynecology exhibit in our space just honors those women and children who under underwent over 30 surgeries individually um, with no anesthesia and just had their 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 autonomy ripped apart from them and so this space honors them as as the women and the leaders that they are and as they gave their bodies for science so um, the space is really amazing I'd recommend anyone to look it up it's by artist Michelle Browder and so she honors those women and and they're just amazing contribution to the medical field and so ever since doing that paper and studying these women and um, the unfortunate things that happened to them I've just been really driven to move into the medical field and attend medical school at some point soon 
And so um, whether that be in gynecology, I'm not sure, but just providing space for women of color like ourselves to be able to have, have someone in the medical field to rely on and just provide care that we know is equitable um, and to try to you know, fight those disparities in healthcare that we see are so prevalent today is really important to me. So whatever I can do to help out in that space is something I'm really passionate about for sure. Thank you, Joy. I can tell just by the way you're talking, like you're incredibly passionate about this issue. And I know in like 20, 30 years, I can't wait to have you as my doctor. I'm going to fly down to Arizona for you. Who knows? I might be in Seattle, so it might just be a short drive. Oh my God, in a short drive. I'd love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, thank you. I'm going gonna, gonna to go ahead and chat with some other folks about the trip. Of course. So, thank thanks. you, Julia. All right, and now I'm here with Devin Geary. She's a PhD candidate at the University of Washington in the Department of Communications, and she's also working with the Institute for Common Power, and is along with Jordan, was one of the main organizers and planners for this foundation's trip. Devin, could you please introduce yourself? Oh, I'd be happy to. Um, my name is Devin Geary, and I'm one of the team members, part of the Institute for Common Power team. So, Devin, what was it like um, planning and organizing this trip alongside Jordan? Well, I have to say it's absolutely fabulous, phenomenal to work with this group of human beings. Um, it's wonderful to, to be planning alongside your friends. And so uh, I did a lot of the food logistics, and that can be a little tricky because, you know, you're getting food and you're bringing it on the bus, um, and you got to get enough food for folks and stuff like that. But it went along, I'd say pretty darn well, and we kept people fed, and we, I'd say what we, our main goal is to power, we're like the logistics that power all the important things that happen along the trip. So you gotta be fed, you gotta have, you know, gotta have your basic needs met in order to meet with the foot soldiers and to see these incredible places and spaces. And so um, I think we accomplished that goal. Yeah, and so Devin, what was it like um, being on this trip as a participant, as an organizer? How do you feel it went? I think it went, let me think here. <laughs> I think it went really, really well. And the reason I say that is because you can tell by the energy of the group um, where folks are at. and. It's no doubt that a trip like this is incredibly, immensely challenging, emotionally challenging, uh, mentally challenging. You're hearing a lot of really dark history. Um, you're going through tough spaces, but you're also going through spaces of resilience and triumph and just badassery, if I can use that word. <laughs> and so, you know, we I felt definitely that there were moments when folks were, were struggling with, with, with what they were learning, and that's good. Um, but there were also, and even better, lots of moments where you saw folks feel empowered and emboldened and excited about how they can participate in the contemporary movement. And that's, that's exactly that, the type of energy you want to feel and exactly what you want to see. So um, I've done quite a few of these trips and I, I think I get a good sense of when, we're in, when we finish in a good place and we are no doubt in a really good place. 
Yeah, I definitely feel like this trip has gone wonderfully. Thank you and thank Jordan for all the planning and food and behind the scenes work that you guys are doing so David and Terry can educate the folks on this trip. So I asked Jordan a very similar question, but um, what is it like for you? I mean, if you'd like, you can share your identity with the podcasters because they can't see us. Um, what is it like for you being down in the South, um, learning about this difficult history? Um, and also simultaneously kind of managing the environment that you're in currently while learning this. Every single time. Um, it is both, I have immense, 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 immense gratitude to be lucky enough to be able to meet the folks that we meet and to go through the spaces that we go through. Um, I'm a, a white woman and, um, you know, I very much have to identify and struggle with and, and kind of think about and face my white identity daily on this trip. Like race is so, so salient when you're going, when you're learning this history um, and you're learning about how this history has impacted the contemporary day. Um, and so it's, it's a struggle, it's a challenge. It's, it's, I know that every single time I come that, that that is going to be just something that I'm going to process with and sit with and um, because I'm, I'm not proud of, of the foundations of whiteness and I want to be proud of how white people step up in this country and I want to be one of them and, and I try to focus on, on that. Um, but it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a charged identity. I also will say, of course, as a, a white person, you know, in the South, I don't have to have the same concerns that a BIPOC individual would have coming down to the South. So um, I'm, I am privileged in that regard. And I, and I, so I don't want to act like any kind of a, a victim in that sense. But, um, but it is, it is, I think if you're a white person and you don't come down to the South and really, really grapple with your identity and your, and your complicity, you know, your complicity, your, your, how you're situated, then you're not doing it right. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot. And and what would you say to the white folks who say, you know, my 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 grandparents were immigrants. They had no part in this. I have no part in this. You know, my family didn't enslave folks. I don't need to come to the South. It's not my history. That's not my history. I mean, that's a load of questions. But <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that's such a good question. I think the minute you step onto this soil as a white person, you are privileged. You are going to be privileged. And that doesn't mean that you don't have your own struggles and challenges. But our country continues to enable um, white people to dominate and to reap resources that are not theirs and it's unjust it's unfair it's unequitable and it it needs to stop and the only way it's going to stop is if white people wake up and start doing something about this and so it's everyone's it's it might not be your your personal history but you are now 
a part because of your skin color you are now a part of a group of people who have privileged have been privileged by our history and continue to be and so you have a responsibility as much as any other white person to be a part a major a major part of this movement I absolutely agree Devin and thank you for sharing that so you are taking responsibility and in your part in this movement by pursuing a doctorate degree and would you be willing to talk to us a little bit about your dissertation and why you're focusing on that dissertation in particular totally um, so I am studying I'm in the communication department as you said and I, I study interpersonal communication and political communication and specifically I'm interested in how folks facilitate interracial conversations about race and the reason I'm interested in that is because I truly believe as we heard a lot at the Equal Justice Initiative that this country needs a reckoning a reckoning with our history a reckoning with where we are now today and the one of the key ways of doing that is communication and talking and having conversations and honest dialogues with people who look like us but also across our differences but we also know that people have a lot of fear and anxiety um, I'm not you know, not everyone but uh, plenty of folks feel tense and don't want to have these conversations they get nervous about them and so how do we how do facilitators lead these conversations how do they help us have these conversations better these are all questions that I am trying to get to the bottom too because I, I want I want to figure out the communication practices and processes that will enable us to talk about the truth and to do something about it yeah absolutely would you be able to give us a little sneak peek right now of some of your findings so far as of December 5th 2022 like 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 just like one one minute yeah <laughs> totally we, yes how can we have better conversations about race in america well i'd say that a lot of what i'm finding is what um you know retrospectively it just makes sense and and that is that you want to create a space and these organizations are telling me that they are trying to create spaces where people feel included where people feel welcomed where they're building relationships and community because we know that when you have conversations across difference when you engage across difference you increase your knowledge about people who are not within your in-group and you increase your empathy for them and you decrease your uncertainty and you decrease those anxious feelings and and so relationships is really core to that and how do you build relationships you do that through things like empathic empathetic listening you do that by taking another person's perspective you do that by self-disclosing your own experiences and then hearing as you're listening deeply truly listening not just saying you're listening not thinking about what you're going to say next but truly truly listening um, that you're hearing both the similarities and differences in other people's life experiences and it's opening up your own awareness to how others move through this world because so often we can get narrowed in on what our subjective experiences is and it's all about brightening up those kind of 
narrowed blinders so that you understand that it's not just about your experience and and what does that mean that's amazing Devin that's amazing so listeners take what you will but that is a sneak peek of Devin's dissertation. You have to hit her up personally if you want the rest of it. You have to pay her a fee if you want the rest of it. Million dollars. <laughs> Million dollars. All right. Well, thanks, Devin. I'm going to go ahead and chat with some other folks about their experience on this trip. Uh, thank you so much for chatting with us. Thank you for chatting with me. Love being a part of it. Thanks, Julia. All right, and now we're going to be chatting with Dr. Terry Scott, the director of the Institute for Common Power and the main lead of these learning tours down to the south. Dr. Scott, could you please introduce yourself for our podcast listeners? Absolutely. Hi, my name is Terry Ann Scott, and I am the director for the Institute of Common Power, and we are the educational branch of Common Power. So, Dr. Scott, how many of these learning tours have you led? Goodness. Well, I started doing learning tours um, in 2017, so something similar to this. But now that I am with Common Power, um, I think I might have lost track. This could be our maybe fifth, fifth or sixth one. Yeah. So, what do you find is the importance of these learning tours? Why is education about these people, these places? Why is going down to the south and being physically present in these spaces important? Um, especially for people who live in the Pacific Northwest, for people who live in Seattle, why does places like Selma, Birmingham, Montgomery matter to people in the rest of the nation? So the key thing that we want to do in the Institute is education to action. We don't want people to just learn about this information. We want them to take it and do something, to do something transformative in their communities. And so one of the best ways to do that is to go, to learn by going. But not only to go and learn the history, because that is in fact a large part of what we do, but we meet with people in every place that we go who are doing the work today, who are doing the work to transform their local communities, who are upending the status quo who are working to dismantle systems of injustice. And so the people we take on these learning tours learn the history and they make the connections to the present. They have to understand how we arrive at where we are today. And they also learn from those who came before us, their perseverance, their resilience, their triumphs, and then they connect it to those who are doing things today. All of that, all of that, that intersects to inspiration to hope, to something that people on these learning tours can take back to their communities with them and do something. We place an expectation on the people who go through this learning tour to use their skills, to use the knowledge that they've gained, and to do something transformative. And we don't just leave it there, we have options for what they can do as well. We have our voting justice work that we do in CP. <clears throat> we have various programs that we offer that people can work in. So we give them that next path as well. Absolutely. And for the Institute, you're not just doing education. The Institute is very much helping communities. You have a program called Scholars in Motion. Um, could you talk a little bit about economic justice that the Institute is providing as well? Absolutely. So what we're trying to do in, in Scholars in Motion is to make sure that youth who are in economically marginalized communities, youth who live in housing projects, 
So some of those who are the, the, the poorest among us, largely BIPOC youth, have the same opportunities to get to college as many of their white counterparts who live in middle and upper class neighborhoods. And so we provide them with tutoring in their schools. We provide them with SAT prep. We buy things like the calculators that they need to take the SAT. We take them on college trips. We go over goal setting. We create a community for them to encourage them to get to college. And then we also are creating that pipeline for them to go into the Incredible Action Academy program to hold them through and to teach them about civics and their responsibility in this community. Absolutely. So how do you feel this learning tour is going so far? We're, we're almost on the final leg of this trip. That's crazy. I can't believe that we're almost done. I think it, it's gone very quickly. And that says a lot about the community that was created. It doesn't matter if we go to Selma and Birmingham and all of those a million times. It is different every time because of the community you take with you and the community that's created while you're there. And so I think this learning tour is going beautifully. I think that people have made some really wonderful connections. We have met with and been inspired by people. I learn new things every single time. And I'm just ready to see what this community is going to go home and do. Absolutely. And that's so exciting. So was there anything that stood out to you about this trip in particular, this 2022 CP Foundations trip, whether it's the participants, um, the merging with field work, or any particular speakers? Yeah, what stood out to me are the young people like you, like Jordan, like Devin, like Ani. Honestly, that's what stood out to me because you guys, I've, I have been around you guys long enough. Obviously, Ani and Jordan are related to me, so I've seen them. But you too, to watch all of you grow and to, to interact with people who are two and three times your age in a way that is so intelligent and so compassionate. So I've just been so impressed by all of you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So what is it like? I asked this question to other folks, but what is it like being in the South? Um, with your particular identity, if you'd like to identify to our podcast mm -hmm. listeners since they can't see us. Um, also being an educator, a very visible educator as well. I mean, you are leading a group of a, a bi, like an interracial, intergenerational group. You're often the focus at times, especially being the lecturer. Um, in the South, how has that experience been for you on this learning tour and other learning tours? Right, in many ways it's complicated because um, I study the South, I write about the South, I have lived in the South. My husband is from Texas. My latest book is on lynching in Texas. And so I've spent a lot of time, years here. Um, and it is complicated because we also chose to take our kids out of a southern community when we lived there and raise them elsewhere. But we come back here to teach them because there are roots in the South and there is a trajectory to race relations here that they must understand. And so, and that everybody must understand. So I appreciate the South for the people who are here, for African Americans who are incredibly resilient, who have created community through so many different challenges. And I feel honored to be able to be a part of that and to be able to teach other people about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're about to go to dinner here, so I think we'll wrap up. All right. But any last comments, Dr. Scott? Um, Julie, you just keep doing what you're doing. You're fabulous. That's my last comment. Thank you. All right, we're going to wrap up here. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and have a wonderful day, everyone.